Hello, I am Jenny Dilts, and I am the founder of Grieving Coach and the host of the podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. With so much grief and trauma in the world right now, I am pleased to offer this episode called A Survivor's Guide to Grief and Trauma with Claire M. Schwartz. In our time together, we discuss how to deal with trauma and not only to deal with it, but to survive it and thrive because of it. Claire shares her journey of her own traumatic experiences and what she's learned along the way. This podcast started about not quite a year ago as a stroke of an idea of, hey, I'm connecting with all of these people and I love hearing their stories. So I'd love to be able to share these stories with others because they're fascinating and I'm learning so much. And I was guesting on other people's um, shows. And so I just, it was like a light bulb, lightning bolt of creativity magicness. <laughs> and so I thought, hey, I can work, I can do a podcast too. And so I collaborated with the nonprofit organization Reimagine um, in bringing these stories to the more public arena. Um, and then I take these interviews and then edit them and publish them on Anchor. So yeah, that's how my story began of this podcast, Share Your Story, Exploring Humanity One Heart at a Time. And I hope that this experience will be interactive for you, not just for my guest and I, but for you as well, as you listen to our stories and that you'll be able to take inspiration and nuggets and thoughts from what we're saying and apply them to your own lives. guest today is Claire Schwartz, who has survived traumas, including shame, violence, fear, and pain. Also rape and cancer. But not only did she survive, she has thrived. And today she uses what she learned from her personal experiences to help others do the same. At age 25, the loss of her mother was the jolt that started Claire's journey of change and healing. She had a nervous breakdown and then began the painstaking realization that she had no idea who she was or how to manage life. Yeah. And she has spent decades learning to grow into a stronger, wiser, and more grounded woman. So today, Claire will be sharing her story and what she's learned in her 15 years of working as a grief relief expert using her unique combo of compassion, perspective, and humor. Claire has a BA, a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology, and she is also a Reiki master teacher, spiritual counselor, and interfaith minister, as well as being a certified professional coach. She can be found at youcanhealyourgrief.com. Correct. 
That is correct. And, and a few else, other places. Yeah, where else can people find you? Uh, my other website is named for my business, which is miriamswellhealing.com. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and uh, a few other Googleable places. So. Awesome. And good morning. Happy to be here. Welcome, welcome, Claire. I'm so excited to have you with us. I'm excited too. I've been really looking forward to this. <laughs> I don't know how to sum that up in words, but there you go. I, I didn't know there would be squealing, but that's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with me. It's, it's all good. It's all good. It comes. <laughs> it's real. That's good. And that's what I love about these podcasts is it gives us the opportunity to be real and yeah. share our real stories, how they really happened, how they really affected us without yeah. any sugar coating or yeah. glossing over or positive cliches. No, yeah, <laughs> let's no. scrape all that <laughs> off and, and get real. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So can you give us a little bit of context of where you're coming from. As in, what's your story? Exactly. Yeah, yeah what's yes. your story? And like, um, in maybe, I don't know time, but like five minutes or so, give some bullet points of your story and what got you to where you are now. Once upon a time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, and, and though that begins the fairy tale, often what's underneath is not what people think. So the way I usually start this story is on the surface, it looks like I had so many things going for me when I was growing up. Um, my parents were together. My parents were educated. Uh, we lived in a beautiful middle-class suburb. I went to a private school. Um, all of those things. And yet underneath all of that was a slow moving disaster. Um, and very few people saw on the inside of that, um, mostly because nobody came to my house. Um, and it was also going to date myself here, which I'm totally fine with. It was also the 70s and the 80s, where mm -hmm. we didn't talk about these things. It was not in the public discourse at all. Everything was behind closed doors, under the surface, and um, tremors of damage could happen without anybody being aware until they would explode. Um, so in, in, in my family, uh, there was nobody who was really able to raise me well, Mm -hmm. because you can't teach what you don't know. So my, my mother didn't have a normal upbringing because she was a prodigy and she um, graduated high school at 16 and college at 20 and was a Fulbright scholar. And so she didn't have a normal process to relate to. Um, and then my, and then she lived in, in Europe for a long time. So that was a whole nother way of, of living. Um, my father was not born here, so he, and he was born in Eastern Europe and that was a completely different, again, constructive looking at the world. And so 
nobody quite knew what to do with me. And whether it was having the best of intentions and knowing that I needed help but having no idea how to get me that help or actively teaching me the wrong things, um, I grew up with 160 IQ when I was four years old and I thought I was an idiot because that's what I was told. Mm. Um, and even though I was privileged to go to a private school, I always felt like I was never as smart as the people around me. So I didn't get any sense of who I was or a sense of safety. Um, my mother was disabled by the time I came along. So she wasn't really able to care for me. Um, we didn't really go anywhere as a family. Um, and uh, so there was a lot of neglect. There was a lot of violence and or the threat of violence, which can do the same amount of damage. Um, and all of that basically set me up for failure in a lot of ways. Because what happens when you don't have those things established early they don't organically develop on their own. You sort of get stuck. Okay. So by the time I got to college, um, maturity wise, I was probably about seven or eight. So I had no idea how to adult. Mm -hmm. um, there were plenty of things that just never happened in our house. I hadn't gone to movies. I hadn't uh, gone on really any real vacations. Um, most of the stuff that I did was just reacting to what I was around and trying to avoid home and trying to understand people's reactions to me and trying to understand the fears on the inside. Um, a lot of things were just a complete mystery to me. Um, I, I asked, I've gone back and asked some of the folks that I grew up with what their impression of, of me at the time was. Mm -hmm. And a very astute friend of mine thought about it for a minute. He said, well, you sort of acted like an immigrant child who had just gotten to this country and didn't know how to behave. And that's, that makes total sense because that's what raised me. I <laughs> didn't uh -huh. understand, you know, American culture, didn't understand language. I never saw Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> there, there were so many, so many things that, but when I, and of course, when I got to college, I went nuts and I tried to do everything too much, too fast, got in a lot of trouble, um, came very, very close to failing out my first semester. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, was just sort of careening from one thing to the other, um, just trying to figure stuff out. And a, a lot of people knew I was in trouble. They just kind some folks just kind of weren't sure what to do with that. And when I started, I started therapy when I was 16. It was a big secret. Mm. You know, why is, why is Claire leaving on Wednesdays at 12 o'clock? Why does she have to leave class early they go oh I don't know so it was very hush hush mm -hmm. um and because I couldn't express really what was going on none of that was helpful um if it if it weren't for some very astute teachers at my school um 
I don't know that I even would have made it out of high school um, because I did already have some very destructive behaviors of drinking, cutting, um, drove home drunk once. And that's the only time I've done that because it scared the living crap out of me. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but there was, I was always just on the edge of getting into very, very serious trouble. And if it weren't for a couple of very wise and compassionate people, um, I don't know that I would still be here. Um, So, and of course, all of those things set you up for other things that go wrong, choosing Mm -hmm. the wrong places to be, the wrong people to be around. You have no judgment about what is safe and what is not Yeah. because you're so desperate to try to figure things out. And in the midst of all of that came a lot of, um, let's just call them sexual shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, again, came very close to uh, cancer situation, which thankfully never developed. Um, And then, and then out of the blue, my mother died. So that's a whole, that's the whole next piece of the story. And that's, that's where the page turned. That's where the page turned. Um, my folks got divorced um, in a, a long, long, ugly dispute. I didn't really understand how ugly because they left me out of the whole proceedings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my mother moved uh, to Delaware in 1993 and I hadn't spoken to her because I was mostly angry at her. Um, And of course, not having any idea that she would be gone like that in 1995. So should I go on from there or is that? (laughs) That's a lot of... um... A lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense that you would be like stunted. Oh, yeah. At at an early developmental age, even though you're like in college. And yeah. So what um, what did that disconnect feel like between your like psychological, emotional, developmental age and the age you were trying to live at? Um just constantly feeling out of alignment. Um, it was very, very hard for me to verbalize at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the normal progress of, of trauma, by the way, is when it happens during, during an early developmental stage, we sort of get stuck in that stage. So that's, you, you know, you don't just normally develop on your own unless those early stages get met. So that's a a Maslow hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. that if those needs don't get met, you're sort of um, stunted, but but stuck, definitely stuck. Um, So yeah, it was just, it it felt, how did it feel on the inside? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Flailing desperate, um, puzzled a lot of the time Mm -hmm. because everything 
became wired through those needs that were never met, which makes it really difficult to see the needs of anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, I was going to the University of Michigan. I was at one of the top schools in the country. And I was, you know, I got, I was getting excellent grades. That's not the part of me that got stuck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But so it was bizarre because I had this kind of bifurcated development going on because, you know, I could, I could keep pace except in statistics, but that's a different story um, with, with, with the, the, schoolwork but the emotional work was kind of a mystery to me um so lots and lots of bad choices lots and lots of bad choices and uh and it does a lot of damage to this is the nature of unhealed trauma is that it does a lot of damage to, to everybody around you Mm-hmm. And so it tends to break the China. It tends to um, leave lots of holes, lots of holes. And it, it's not a matter of intention. It's just a matter of not knowing how. And some of those pieces I've been able to go back and mend um, and some I have not. Um, so so when I when I see people repeating that pattern and you know you might want to rethink that because this is this is not how this is not the path that you want to weave and it's not that it's not that I was doing it on purpose I just didn't know any better at the Mm -hmm. time and you know hopefully we can we can live Maya Angelou's lesson of when you know better you do better but you have to know better first and be able to look back and go oh ah uh, hmm, that, oh, sorry. I, uh, hmm. Can we, can we do, can we start now? Because that was terrible. And, you know, I don't, (laughs) you know, it's, there, there's some things I look back on that are completely cringeworthy. Um, and, uh, I can't undo them, but they, but they taught me a lot. They taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how did you, how have you been able to make some of those amends or, <clears throat> and I know you weren't able to fix all of them, but some of them you were. It, by going back to individual people and just telling, telling the truth. Um, starting with who I am now with, with years and years of, of healing and perspective and, and personal work is regardless of the fact that I didn't ask for those things to shape who I was back then, um, I have to hold myself accountable for the behavior because mm-hmm. it was me. It, it wasn't somebody else. Mm-hmm. So to be able to say, I, I, I got to own that. You got to yeah. own that. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's not that it's comfy. <laughs> Right. Um, and you know, what happens after that is not up to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then your mom died. Yeah. 
yeah. how did that start to turn things around? <laughs> Sometimes there are these pivotal moments. The, the, the way I talk about uh, the loss of my mother is it's, it's a thick black line through my story that I can't go back over. Mm -hmm. um, where after that point, absolutely nothing was the same. And it was one of those phone call at midnight type of things where in a matter of mm -hmm. seconds, my whole world was just imploded. Um, and being an only kid, everything fell on me at, yeah. you know, 25. So, and, and if, as I was saying, a very immature 25. So I, yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot. Um, so that phone call happened on a Sunday. I was still in Michigan. My mother died in Delaware. So had to figure out how to get her from Delaware to Michigan, which is, you know, and, and she never, she never had a burial plot. She didn't leave any instructions about her service. We, we and I, I had to just, in a matter of days, because in Jewish tradition, it happens very quickly. Um, you have to make a lot of, now I, I broke that because there was no way to get her to Michigan any faster. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to pull that all together completely out of thin air. Um, then I had to go back to Delaware, clean out her house in about her house, which is where she died. So that was creepy. Mm -hmm. Um, and in about four days, I had about four days to clean out the house, which was completely impossible. I had to hire movers. Um, I had to get help from her friends. Um, it, it, it was it was a hell of a lot. It was a hell of a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I got I was in this tremendous fog um, when I got back from Delaware. I had I, I pretty much dropped everything going on in my life except for the, the, the theater show that I was in, because that was a very close community that was, you know, close friends of mine and, you know, the show must go on. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so we did. Um, but I stopped everything else and, uh, was barely, barely, barely holding it together. Um, I forgot how to drive. I literally did not know what my hands and my feet were supposed to do. I forgot where everything was. I, I didn't know how to get from here to there. And I, I had to hand my keys to my boyfriend at the time. And he and uh, my cousin and someone else, I don't remember who now, um, I was, don't let me drive. I, I can't. I'm, and plus, I, I had to squelch the urge to just get in the car and drive into the nearest tree. Um, figured that would be bad. So I, I didn't drive uh, for a while um, until I gathered that piece of my head back together. 
Um, but there were there were friends that were close back then that saved me in so many ways, so many ways. So I got through, I, I, I had to write her eulogy. I'm still not quite sure what I said. Mm -hmm. um, and the funeral and everything and all of the estate stuff. And that was just a complete nightmare. And so I was working on that. I, I did the theater show. And after that was when the nervous breakdown happened. I couldn't work. I couldn't eat. Um, well, I couldn't eat well. Mm -hmm. um, and I had terrible nightmares. And so I became afraid to sleep at night. So I, I, I said, okay, well, here's, here's what works. If I, if I drink all day, then I don't have to think. And if I, <laughs> that, and that way I'll just pass out and then the nightmares won't happen. Well, that didn't last very long. So I tried it the other way around, um, sleeping during the day and drinking at night. That didn't work either. Uh, so that was a few months of that, most of which I don't remember. Um, I was going to therapy twice a week. Mm -hmm. Wasn't helping a whole lot. And uh, just trying to sort of scramble through everything. Yeah. Um, and at the end of that summer, I just, I sort of took a deep breath and I, I said, okay, well, I have to work, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, so I sort of stumbled back to my job and sort of scrambled on from there, uh, doing the best that I could. But that the biggest hurdle through all of that was I looked within and came to this, and, and I don't quite, it wasn't a conscious understanding. It was just this realization that everything that I thought I was for the most part was built in response to the violence, abuse, neglect, and all of those things that I had been exposed to. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know me. Mm. And then the dreams got really interesting because I just dreamt of the inside of myself as this big void, big black void that I looked within and went, I have no idea what this is, who I am, what I want, what, 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 yeah. how did I get here? <laughs> and, yeah. and so, but it made me the whole process. I, I, I promise not to walk you painstakingly through the next 25 years of my life, but, <laughs> but it made me work really hard at who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and where it has left me is there are a lot of unanswered questions that I can't get the answers to because mom is gone. Um, dad is gone. Uh, he, he married someone else after my mom, um, who I was very fond of, uh, my stepmother. Um, she's gone. So there's a whole lot of questions that I'll just never get the answer to. Mm -hmm. But 
the fact is her loss, mom's loss is the big crossroads and it's what shaped me. And I do not know who I would be without that. It made me work on my healing. It made Mm -hmm. me build my integrity, my values, my uh, inner structure. And so as it's just the great irony of the journey sometimes is, of course, I miss my mom and I would love to have those questions answered, but I do not know who I would be if she hadn't died. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what to make of that in the grand scheme of things, but there it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) There's so much there. Like in your story of just coping and being able to go from like a seven-year-old at college to now you're executor of state and you're managing everything. Well, I mean, so again, with not without help, I, I had a lot of help from friends and a really good attorney. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it, it's one reason that I, I really emphasize to people the value of doing your estate planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's a thousand times worse when there isn't any of that. And there's all sorts of laws and loopholes and tax craziness and you don't want any part of that you want to you want to get ahead of that um if at all possible right so, yeah yep and you also say that you like the the experience of her death really was like pivotal in, in you becoming yeah. who you are now and, and your healing process and, and finding yourself. Yeah. How long did it take to get you to that point where you could see, oh yeah, this, though this experience really sucked, it's life transformational for me. So that now I can look back at it and say, this is how much I've learned, how I've grown, how I, how much I've um, healed and yeah. progressed and transformed my own life because of this experience. I don't know that I could put a time on it. I mean, I didn't really, you know, her loss was certainly one piece, but the multiple traumas that I'd experienced before that. Um, you know, they kind of all get tangled up mm-hmm. and, you know, I was in and out of therapy for many years, but it wasn't until I got to New York and, um, found by happenstance, um, a trauma therapist. And it wasn't until I spent some time in his care before I understood how much trouble I was really in. hmm because you're not able to really be objective when you're still down in it 
and I was in it. I continued to be in it. And it takes a certain type of um, caregiver, counselor, um, to be able to craft that piece of your teaching is that you, you can't see properly mm-hmm. when you are down in your suffering. And it's only when we're able to step back and go, wait a minute. And, and one of those pivotal moments in, in his uh, care of me was when he said, Claire, I don't think you understand that people who've been through what you've been through don't usually get better. I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, that there people stay stuck. People end up, uh, you know, it, it could be, could be in prison, could be dead, could be disabled, could be on the street, could be committed. Um, so un, unhealed trauma can, can, alter the course of your psyche so badly that you can't find your way out of it. And of course, I didn't understand that. That was my normal, was mm-hmm. all of the, the grief and trauma that I grew up with. Yeah. So up until that point. So I continue to, you know, be grateful that I'm still here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I not, there are many times over that I'm not supposed to still be here. So I make those times count as much as possible. Um, So how long did it take? I'm not sure. Um, That was an aha moment for me when he said that. I remember, I I don't remember what year it was, but Mm -hmm. I remember that moment in our counseling sessions that he said that, and that hit me like a lightning bolt. Oh, wait a minute that was really bad. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, that can't be all there is. So what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I've just worked really hard and continue to work hard at those things because we get, we still get tripped up. That's, uh, we're human. Mm Mm-hmm. I just know more than I used to and have the tools to deal with it, I hope. (laughs) Um, But yeah, long, long journey. So when, so when somebody says, you know, I I was tell the story after, after mom passed away, I asked a friend of mine, you know, I, I feel so out of sorts, out of, you know, everything is sideways. Everything is out of kilter. I said, how long? before I feel normal. And she said, because she had just lost her mom. And she said, well, um, give it a year. And I, at the time I went, a year? Because this was a couple months after she died. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's ages away, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, ages away, which is now 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, it, time gets really wacky. Very, I, the, it, it's very stretchy. It's very splungy. Um, it does not pass normally mm-hmm. when you've undergone something like this, which yeah. is 
you know, and I'm now constantly explaining that to people because of everything that's going on these days. People are all experiencing this where time is very weird. Mm-hmm. And like, are we still here? Is Are things better yet? How long has this been going on? And especially when there's something that happens suddenly and, you know, it's so painful. It's so confusing. It's so upsetting. And your, your psyche is like, I, how, how long is this going to take? I have got to feel better. I'm like, hold on. It's really only been five weeks. And then they mm-hmm. go, you're kidding. Yeah. Because time slows down um, and you can't sense it properly. And that's, that's what we've all been dealing with for the last too many months, mm-hmm. too many months. Yeah. So I'm absolutely sure I've lost your question, but it was in there somewhere. <laughs> Um, I think the original question was like, how long did it take to, yeah, like, come to that realization of, of healing or a sense of this can, this experience can transform me? Yeah. Um, there, there, it's not really about time. It's, it's, you get there when you get there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's that this can't be all there is. Um, and how to how to shape that, how to how to learn from that, how to craft something better. And again, when I started this process, there was no self-help section. There was no internet. There, <laughs> you, you know, the, I was grasping at everything I could find to try to figure that out yeah so and and it's happened in in more waves um in just in the last few years of getting older getting married becoming a homeowner uh more losses more traumas um because life Mm -hmm. more stuff happens and each thing knocks you out until you figure out how to get back up. And so it's a constant crafting of the healing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Because life continues and it continues to bring grief and trauma and yeah. experiences. Um, and without crafting that transformation, it can be very easy to get stuck. Yeah, well, because certain, especially where trauma is concerned, we develop survival patterns in order to cope with what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, those patterns, because it is, because you're talking about survival, it's not, um, it, it's not optional right? It's you have to behave a certain way or it becomes dangerous for you to function otherwise. But those things, those templates get stuck because it's dangerous for them to move. But when Mm -hmm. you move to the next situation or the next context or where the danger doesn't exist anymore and the template goes with you. So then you're using a template to deal with a situation that doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. or you've sort of put it in your emotional satchel 
and you've carried it from place to place, but it doesn't fit anymore. And that's where the damage happens. That's where the ripples happen because one can't discern be between what is dangerous and what is not. When you've lived in a world where everything is dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, so figuring out that, that process becomes essential to be able to function yeah. um, in, a healthy, in a healthy way. So you said that your trauma therapist told you that people get stuck there. They don't, they don't get yeah. over it. For people who do feel stuck in the thick of the trauma, do you have any suggestions for helping them or what they can do to take that step back? Yeah and observe what's really going on. Sometimes people come to it organically of some realization happens either because of specific incident or a diagnosis um, or or anything that comes across their path. And it's this aha wake up moment of, I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. Something has to change, but they don't know how they don't know who to ask they don't know what steps to take um and then they have to sort of deal with the hurdles of stigma about mental health in general Mm -hmm. at least in this country and for grief and trauma um specifically there are so many things in the culture in our way and there's so many things that people believe about themselves that get in the way and about the healing process that get in the way mm-hmm. um you know and very often be like oh this is all bs this isn't gonna work blah, 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 blah. i'm like oh well, uh, okay but that's not so it's not so and you want to be as compassionate and encouraging as possible to say this is not the only answer for you mm-hmm. there is a path out and it is very, very personal. Um, it is very, uh, it can be seriously, legitimately scary. Yeah. And especially when you have folks being told, just get over it. Just go back to work. You'll be fine. Well, not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. Um, so start looking for resources is one thing and everybody's going to need a different combination of things um but there has to be there has to be a path out that works for each person um i deeply wish that mental health were more available more affordable for more folks Mm-hmm. Um, it is, we, we tend to view it as completely separate from our physical health, which is so completely wrong. Yeah. Um, and, uh, because if your, your emotional unwellness can break your physical wellness mm-hmm. and it does insane amounts of damage to your sleep, your digestion, your aches and pains, your teeth grinding. I still grind my teeth. Um, and not to mention your immune system, right? 
from the cortisol cascades that you've probably been living with since you were two. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so stop the train. Stop the train and see and seek some options. Ask some questions um, because the first thing is to is to recognize that you're stuck, mm-hmm. right? The next level is wanting to get help, which is good. This is good. Um, and then, but then you have to sort of untangle all of the uh, mysteries and stigmas, right? Until you find, it's only when you, you sort of power your way through all of that before you can say, okay, now who do I talk to? And to get, get quality help that resonates with you. Yeah. So how can people, um, I'd like to go through these steps a little bit more in detail. Sure. Um, Because each of us are individual and each of us have our own experiences and our own personalities and our own lives. Yes. How can we get that first step of I'm stuck. If I'm, if I don't get out of this situation, things are not going to be good for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the question is, um, how to get people to get the first step or what is the first step that people should take? How, how can people come to that first step? Yeah. Um, well, people come by it with, by many different paths um but start start asking start exploring whether that's find a website find a book that resonates with you that's similar to your story um one of the advantages of of covid is now there's a million support groups online Mm -hmm. um so that's a resource for people so that they know that they're not alone a lot of folks believe they're the only person who's feeling what they're feeling and they're absolutely not. Um, so there, everybody's story is individual, but there are common things that people can do mm-hmm. and there are common things that people can get past, um, including, unfortunately, as I said, the misunderstanding that you can just get over something. Yeah. Um, as it is a, a phrase I would dearly love to excise from our language. Um, it is very, very damaging. Um, I also don't use the word crazy because sometimes grief and trauma can make you feel like you're going crazy. Mm-hmm. And if last year and this year don't make you feel a little crazy, it, you know, <laughs> but, but you're not that's different from you are actually crazy. There's no such thing. I find that not only inaccurate, but really damaging. You're in some trouble. You need some help. You're human. There are other humans who can help you with care and compassion and tools and help you build resilience and accountability to yourself and your future. Um, All of those things are buildable. Mm-hmm. And just 
sometimes just the wrong word or the wrong phrase is something that people really find that's in their way is is the understanding that this is not helpful this mm -hmm. is not helpful so if someone is putting that in your way to realize don't listen to that don't listen to that um and find people who get it find people who are going to deal with you with compassion i hear you i see you you're not alone and there is a path there is a path out and then it's about the commitment to say i'm not going to feel this way anymore and the path is not linear mm -hmm. and the path is doesn't it, it's not clear it's not without lumps but there, there is a there that is better than here. And it is an extraordinary thing to watch someone talk about something for the first time or come to a realization for the first time and watch the weight just come right off of them. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. I never get tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. How can people use that, that initial aha moment to propel them forward and motivate them to go through the bumps, to go through the long haul, to go through all of the work that it takes yeah. to heal from traumatic experiences? The, the tool that I, I love that I find useful in that equation is, is just believe the evidence because so much of traumatic experience teaches us the wrong things. It teaches you that you're nothing. It teaches you that you are small. It teaches you that you have no power. It teaches you that you are stupid or uh, ugly or broken. None of that is true. None of that is true. And when you get that first experience of the weight coming off of that lightning bolt of realization, mm -hmm. none of that is true. Oh, well, what else isn't true? Huh? Let's see. So, so having that initial moment is, is proof. The mm -hmm. things you were taught, the things that you believed were wrong. And there are ways to do better. There are ways to be stronger, wiser, more resilient, more grounded, more comfortable in your own skin because everybody deserves that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. And that's where the resources come in. Yeah, yeah. Of, of um, individual and general of helping people believe the evidence, cut yeah. out the lies, cut out the stigma, cut out the mystery, and know that they are worth it. Yes. That their life can be better. Yes. Than where it is now. And that they can do amazing things. For sure, 100%, 100%. I, I find a lot of, I continue to find a lot of, encouragement and inspiration by watching 
other people's stories as, mm-hmm. as you do. You're creating stories, right? Of people who have gone through astonishing amounts of hell and come out the other side or, you know, watching every once in a while, we'll watch a story on TV and then we just go, wow. Uh, I don't understand how that person is still vertical. I don't understand how they're still breathing and look at what they are creating. Look Mm -hmm. at how much they are giving, how much they are learning. It's extraordinary what humans are capable of when we allow ourselves and when we get out of our own way. A lot of people may have put a lot of crap in our way and that sucks and there's nothing we can do about that, but we can do everything we can to get that stuff out of the way and sometimes you're sometimes you're using a shovel and sometimes you're using a tiny tiny little brush to take the dirt off of an artifact it's this tiny little process of just getting and then all of a sudden you take a step back and you see what you've uncovered you know oh 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 well that makes total sense oh got it got it and then it's a question of how you use the tool Mm -hmm. do you have any tips for um or encouragement for when you're using that tiny little brush like what can motivate people to keep going because if you're staring at the little tiny brush level yeah it can be really hard to see think am I even making any progress am I doing anything yeah so what to like how can people step back and get the oh wow this this is really cool this is this is good stuff that I'm uncovering yeah believing the evidence yeah right and it's it's it can be a painstaking process and I always encourage people to be gentle with themselves mm-hmm. because sometimes the aha moments don't happen like the lightning bolt. It happens little by little by little. So to be able to shift the perspective to say, look, six months ago, you wouldn't even have picked up that brush. You didn't know where the brush was. You didn't know there was such a thing as a brush, mm-hmm. but now, you're down with it and doing that work very carefully, very compassionately. And so always reflecting back on your successes and keeping focused on where you want to go. Where do you want, what is the goal? And the goal can't be, well, I want to get away from what I was. That's sort of an anti-goal Mm because you can't find your way if you're walking backwards, if you're looking back over there. You have to be looking forwards to finding something better. Look, this isn't working. Look, my health isn't working. My relationship's not working. My job's not working, um, et cetera. What are you shooting for? What are you aiming for? And because as far as we know, you get one shot, one Mm -hmm. shot. And you can't change what's already happened, but how can we make what's ahead of you as good as it can possibly be? Yeah. Yeah. So and sometimes it takes, it takes that little brush. I always make the analogy of uh, 
the butter knife. If you have a butter knife sitting on the table, it's just sitting there. It has no use until you pick it up and decide what to do with it. Now, you can use that to spread butter on your daughter's toast. Mm -hmm. Or you could use it to stab your neighbor. I don't recommend that, but, <laughs> but it's all in how you use the tool. Mm -hmm. I use a shocking example to make the point. It's, yeah. it's how you use the tool, but yeah. you have to pick it up first mm -hmm. to continue to pick up the tools and use them to shape your life for something better. So it all starts with a decision. Yes, it's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah. And, and that's, that's part of the irony sometimes of grief and trauma is you feel so out of control. You feel like you've had no choices in your life. But that's another one of the myths that gets drummed into us. You have no power. You have no agency. When in fact, you do. And sometimes you're not in a safe situation to be able to make those choices. So that has to come first. But once that is attended to, everything is about the choice of knowing better, doing better, um, being gentle with yourself, because sometimes you have to go backwards in order to go forwards. You're going to trip and stumble. Um, you're going to stub your toe. Uh, you're going to, the, the path will get misty and you're not going to know which way you're going. And mm -hmm. that's all fine. That's okay. That's okay. Gentle, gentle with your spirit, gentle with the process. Yeah. Being as gentle with you as you wish others had been. Yeah. Being gentle with, as gentle with you as you wish others had been. Yeah. To you. There's my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a good, a good tweet to end on. Um, it is a long process. It is hard. It is not linear. It's forward, backward, in, out. Like it's multi-directional, multi-spatial, multi-dimensional. Yep. Be gentle with yourself. And it, in the midst of all of that, it is the most important work of our lives is shaping who we are, no matter what we've come from. Mm -hmm. It is a sacred journey. Yeah, agreed. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks sharing so much for having me. It's been, it's been an honor. Um, like you said before, the way of the way you've learned is through other stories. And that's the way I learned too. Yeah. And yeah. I feel very honored to be able to receive your story. I'm, I'm so pleased that you are creating this because this, the stories matter. We mm. all have a story. So where can people find you? Uh, yes. So uh, the website, uh, the grief and trauma website is youcanhealyourgrief.com. Um, and I have a blog there um, that has a lot of resources there. Um, I also, uh, just to throw in, I also have a book that I wrote, Putting Out the Fire, 
which is nurturing uh, mind, body, and spirit in the first weeks of loss and beyond. Um, that is the stuff that I learned basically from basically from the loss of my mother, but also uh, from the earlier losses of my life. Um, this I, I wrote an addendum. It was originally published in 2015. I wrote an addendum in 2020 and before lockdowns happened and the book arrived from my publisher uh, the week that everything shut down. Wow. So I wrote all of this before COVID happened. And then I, I got the book and I reread it and I said, wow, yeah, that's, that was it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, it's a how to of, you know, when that freight train hits you, how do you cope in the immediate? How do you cope with family, self-care, legal bits, um, and getting through those first few weeks without going completely sideways? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a, there's a lot of lessons in there um, that I continue to refer to. And this is, this is on the website uh, under resources. Uh, there's a page called my book um, and if people buy it through there um, it's uh 20 off so and then you can order directly for me instead of amazon if you please um <laughs> and then i can send you a signed copy that's personal to you um and I'm, i've also got uh my fearless grieving program which is 100 online uh and available to anybody with a computer something that i built during COVID. It's a very personalized, intensive program mm -hmm. um, and that I call from fearless grieving to fearless living. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not about not being afraid. It's about not letting the fear stop you from living your life and rewriting mm -hmm. your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing so, work. Yeah. yeah. So go check out Claire's stuff. Um, she's amazing as you could have probably heard. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? Like any last nuggets of wisdom? Uh, ooh, wisdom is a tall order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we know some things, um, but if, you're, if you know that you're struggling with anything, there's nothing wrong with you. We all have struggles. Um, humans are lumpy. And then we lumpy all over each other's shoes. And this is not something that is that easy to figure out. And if you're confused, that's okay. You're not doing anything wrong. But you don't have to live there and you don't have to stay stuck. Um, so leaning towards it, even if you're fearful, is definitely the way to go. Because fear only has the power that you give it. And uh, it's, a, it's a hungry little beast if you feed it. So as, as someone much wiser than me said a very long time ago, feel the fear, but do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Groovy. <laughs> thank you so much again Claire oh thanks for having me Jenny
I have a feeling we will do more things together. Fantastic. <laughs> so if you enjoyed this, join us next time in our journey of exploring humanity one heart at a time, where I will be talking with Kelly Nielsen, the, the grief guru, about her story when her, um, her mom died and then her son overdosed. So we'll be hearing her story and what she's learned along the way. Um, and if you want to learn more about me and my story, you can visit my website, grievingcoach.com. And I believe that's all. So we'll sign off with that and keep sharing your stories and learning from others. So thank you all for coming and Thank you.